Good evening, Patriots, and it's Sunday, November 20th in the year 2022. East Coast is just bunched into Monday, but pretend you're in Sunday, you'll feel a whole lot better. Really interesting week, and we're going to talk a little bit about perspective on ancient versus now. Had a lot of considerations over this weekend, just some times to chill and reflect a lot on Joshua and kind of where he was at. We're going to read a little bit of Joshua. But before we begin, MyPillow.com is probably the best place ever to get your sleep products. And I'm reminded every night because my entire bed system is in my pillow now. And I and don't regret any of it. I think it's the best purchase I've ever made because it absolutely get the best night's sleep ever. So check it out, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. You won't be disappointed always. Great place to go, great company, great service, great warranties, everything you can possibly ask for, great value. And you know that when you do that, you're supporting a massive effort in that company to keep this patriot movement alive. Mike Lindell truly walks the talk of walking with Jesus in so many levels, and it's a great company and one we just need to continue to support to model what we'd like to have for every company in this nation with that type of attitude. You can just imagine what it would be like if we had 300 
my pillows. Frankly, we don't need 300 my pillows because that'd be a lot of pillows, but 300 companies run like my pillow. It'd be awesome. So check that out. You won't be disappointed. Mypillow.com forward slash bards. And while we're talking about just prep and wise things, make sure you are also taking good care of your food stocks because we've got a lot of crazy stuff coming up and you don't want to be caught short. Patriots, if you didn't know, America is running out of diesel fuel. The Energy Information Administration says that there's less than 25 days remaining in our national stockpile. Now, if trucks can't get fuel, they also can't deliver food to the grocery stores. What then? If you don't have emergency food stocked up, go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com right now and grab a special limited time offer from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. You'll save $250 on their three-month emergency food kit, which gives you a wide variety of breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks. My Patriot Supply wants to help you be your own grocery store. So for a limited time, you'll save $250 on their three-month food kit. Be sure to get one kit for each person in your family. This offer ends in just a few days. So go right now to preparewithbards.com and grab your $250 discount on each three-month kit you need. That's preparewithbards.com. Preparewithbards.com. Patriots, there's nothing like having the security of food in your home. So remember, go to preparewithbards.com and take advantage of this amazing offer. Oh yeah, this is you. Get your stocks set up for the craziness that is to come. Of course, we don't mind crazy. We're used to crazy. Crazy is pretty standard. You know, a lot of this week we talked, last few weeks, almost two weeks plus now, we've talked focused and intermittently about anger, about forgiveness, about justice, and about love. And this is really interesting to me. My parents came back from church today and made the comment that the sermon all this week was about anger and next week's about love and forgiveness. When I hear things like that, and it's this is a really good pastor here locally who is um, getting involved and in getting the congregation involved in in political action. He's going to be running for county commission. He's he's sharp. Actually, he's running for school board. I'm sorry, he's running for school board, which is exactly the sort of things we need. But when you start to see that happening, you're starting to really realize how God works because He's connecting everything out there and the messages start to resonate. And I, and I don't know how much you have talked to people that go to other congregations, other churches, but you, as we do, you start to find that there's many times there's congregations that will be saying the same thing, different parts of the country, different parts of the town, no affiliation with one another. And that's really God moving, just kind of moving through us and, and, and getting things settled in us to start hearing these same messages. Obviously, this is a message that is very important for us to hear, and I agree. I mean, this is a time that we really have to be looking at those principles of forgiveness, principles of justice, of how justice is levied, and that's really what I kind of want to begin with tonight. We often think of some of the characters, and I'm using that loosely, but I'm not talking about in, in the framing of the people, the personalities that we meet in Scripture. We think of them as people and don't see them as working through the hand of God. 
Joshua is one of those that we sneak, take a snapshot of and we talk frequently about Jericho and the army that he leads, but we, I think we detach ourselves from the reality that he's working on behalf of God. I want to begin just tonight's discussion with Joshua 1, and it's literally God's orders to Joshua, and it, it reads, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. So now arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, and as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No one will be able to oppose you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not desert you nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may achieve success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will achieve success. Have I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Everything Joshua does from that point forward, and as he has been, but as he is moving forward now, is channeled through God. And I think this is very important because we often humanize the events too much. When Joshua gets to Jericho, it's not Joshua raising the sword. It's that it is as directed by the Lord that all that is all that is slain in the city. And from here, he's being given the framework of his of his directives. And I think what we get here is so important is he's, God's not telling him. By the way, when you get a chance, read the book of the law. When you get a chance, think about it. If you go, remember on Sundays to check in on the book of the law and the rest of the week, do what you're doing, but then come back in and check in on the book of the law. If you have time, squeeze in a Wednesday. These are typical church processes that are very modern, in fact, by relation to scripture. They're not, they aren't scriptural. The Sunday church, the twice a week church thing, this is something that was shaped in, in modern times, relatively speaking, not in the time of scripture. What God told him is that you need to meditate on this day and night. And that's really the relationship that we should be having with everything we're doing. If we're going to focus on a scripture, it should be something we're working at through the day and through the night. I think back to my great-grandmother. When a process was very interesting, she had an amazing vocabulary. And what she would do is every single day of in her life that I knew of, she would take a word from the dictionary and she would write it out 10, 20 times, and she would memorize the, she'd start her day this way. She'd read through 
the definition, and then she would make a point during the day to use that word 10 or 20 times. And her idea, her point was that the more that you did that, the more that you built the depth of the vocabulary and a deeper understanding of what the word meant and further how to improve your communication. There's a really important lesson in that, and that is how we handle scripture. We tend to, and I don't, I'm not speaking, I really shouldn't say in any sort of generalities. I think there is a tendency, and I'll leave it that way, to read a scripture and we think about it a bit, and then we might read another scripture, but I don't, I haven't met a lot of people that will take a scripture and work it diligently and deeply through day or several days and try to see how that works in their life to apply it to their lives. As we read and we're meditating on this, as God says, day and night, as Joshua was doing, if we're doing that with scripture, there is much that comes from this. I know that in my process, in getting up, I usually pray around 4.30 or 5 in the morning and for an hour or so. And and it's there's a, there's a lot that comes there that doesn't even reveal itself often until later in the day, stuff that comes and then manifests or shows itself up later in the day. And it's important to reflect on those deeper lessons and those deeper pieces that are being shown or being taught or eyes are open to. And one of the things that this really opens my eyes to, and, I, and as we read through the chapter of Joshua, or the book of Joshua, we are learning something very deep about Joshua that's more implied than it is spoken or written. And that is the, the depth of reliance which they have on the word of God. We don't have armies now that begin their day in deep prayer and meditation with the Lord and then walk a day in deep prayer and meditation on the book of the law, for example. We have armies today that begin their day with a drill sergeant or somebody doing PT and then doing their drills, and it becomes a job and a routine. But in this sense, we have an amazing command that Joshua is taking because these are people that have left Egypt. They are, they are, they're not a formed army, and yet they're mighty. And they've gained an amazing reputation. In fact, we learn later in Joshua 3 when the spies have gone into the land and there's a an amazing fear and concern that comes to them that they're very aware of all the of the kings that they have conquered and so their reputation is there but they're literally not a formal army what they are is some they are being driven and led by the mighty almighty god we tend not to do that too much and i i'm really applying that more to today where we are today, we are looking towards, again, the sort of idolatries of Trump or a party or a, what we call a red wave. We're looking towards politics. We're not leading our lives in a deep meditation and scriptural and prayer to find the guidance the Lord is giving us to be victorious. Not as a whole. I'm not, and again, if you are doing this, great praise. Wonderful. But I'm talking in a, a large aggregate section. Like if you take all of MAGA, it was 71 or 72 million base followers. We're not seeing all of MAGA sitting down every day doing this sort of deep meditations on scripture and guidance from the Lord as we should be doing because it's being formed and shaped around politics. And what is happening is we're ending up falling fairly short. 
This week has been interesting as we've kind of gone through this and the meanderings for me as always happens because really Sunday nights have become more of a discussion about reflections on the week and how the week has gone. We've we've obviously had some ups and downs. We've had a, a speech that was levied by President Trump that was not real enthusiastic. But even then, it's an understanding that was probably a greater gift than anything because it separated us or forced us to take reflection on the worship and idol idolatries that we had of him. We're, we're now meandering into a place where, or walking into a place where we must continue forward as Moses had passed and the people of Israelites still had to find, we're just still seeking the promised land. We're in very much a same way. I'm not saying that Trump has fallen, but the enthusiasm, and I would even argue the uh, the anointing, so to speak, of what he's had has been lifted. And that can happen. And that's just by virtue of how God works because God uses people and then he'll pull back. So I think what we really heard was a Trump that was Trump, not a Trump that we were resonating with before that I believe probably had a pretty good hand of God around him. And I'm not saying God isn't there. I can't speak to that. I'm just telling you what I observe and what I feel, right? So there is a there's a humbling that comes from that too. There's a realization when we look at that that things can shift and tides can shift. And again, it goes to what God has said here. And he's reminded Joshua not only to be courageous, but to be careful and to do according to the law. And he's, he's reminded him to meditate on this, and that's how you have to achieve success, and not to veer to the right or to the left, but instead to stay down that middle. We Again, we, that, that has a great application today, almost specifically with the reference to right and left, that we really shouldn't be veering off into the left or veering off into the hard right, because in the politics and the forms of politics we have today, so much of what is there is rooted in institutions of men that are promising to fix things that ultimately they can't fix. The, the amount of the corruption, if we're going to be honest, in our world is phenomenal. And yet the beauty of our world in, in its natural state is perfect. And we tend to get wrapped up in this corrupted imperfection that we're trying to create greatness out of instead of focusing on the greatness which God gives us. I spent some time up at the property today. I spent some time up at uh, hanging around the cows. They seem to always have some basic common sense, which is <laughs> always the same. Eat and uh, feed me more and sleep. And then when they decide they don't want you to bother them, walk away. So they, they really kind of have some pretty basic common sense. And they understand how life can be and, and <laughs> in its natural balance, even though I think somewhere along the way they know they're food for humans. And that's okay because that's part of their walk in life. And I'm okay with that too because I like good beef. And good beef is, I've got some good beef right now. Man, it's flavorful. And there's no no nonsense in it like they give you at the store. But anyway, I digress. The, uh, the, the point is that as we kind of sit and watch, and I, I've taken some time in the mornings as up at the property just listening and just spending time in quiet meditation with the Lord, just listening. And there's so much communication that's going on in the natural world. Maybe it's the, the, 
birds or the woodpeckers. It's the hawk that flies over. We have a hawk up on the property that flies each morning and gives its, its screech, which is beautiful in itself. You have the cows that are sleeping until a certain time, and then they stir. They have a routine which they go to, which they follow, always centered around food. And really, this is the whole natural order of things really centers around food and then rebirth. That's kind of it. I mean, they're, they have to worry about predators, they worry about eating, and then they worry about sleeping, and then they worry about rebirth. That's about it. When you take cows and you take a bull out, for example, and you watch how they do, the, the cows really create quite a, a protection circle around the calves. Um, you don't want, really want to be a, a coyote or, a, or something like that trying to bother them because they'll just stomp the heck out of you. And they do, and they're very protective of the young, even though the young are also given a tremendous latitude to explore. But it's interesting to watch that. As I, I was driving the tractor up the other day, to drop some hay off and to watch the cow, the calves they're they were, they're growing up. So they're, they're still within a year, but they're, when you watch them on their own, they're out running around doing their thing far away from mama cow until the tractor comes up. <laughs> and then suddenly they're hiding behind her because they want protection. There's an innate nurturing and protection that comes on in all of this and all of this sort of natural balance of things. And so what I'm leading to all of this is there is a, a place in there for us to be reminded of in, in our, in our complex life, which goes back to that simplicity of meditating day and night on the scriptures and the way that we walk as a society. When we observe this from the outside, we see that that's, like the farthest thing from most people's mind. Most people are getting up in the day and you can already tell by the time that they're posting their social media stuff that they've been grinding on some ridiculous topic of politics or hatred, anger about something the night before. They're in a place of trying to justify their gender or talk about some gender nonsense. There are these very shallow and ridiculous topics that we have created ourselves as society. When we go back to the Old Testament, none of that exists. In fact, it's so principally anchored in the fundamentals of life. I mean, there's some very real and visceral life and death moments here in, in Old Testament. And we're watching, we're getting glimpses and snapshots of a process of humanity trying to find its way to a promised land, going through the normal trials, but also facing the, the threats and the evils that are around. And within that, there is the realization and acceptance of the supernatural. We don't have much of that left anymore. In fact, when we talk about the supernatural, we tend to think of the the stage shows of people using it to build a bigger congregation, to put snakes around their neck or to do some sort of theatric antics. And we really miss the truth, the truth of healing and the power of, of the Holy Spirit through us and what that is actually bringing us. So we veer away from it. We've been schooled not to believe in it. We're schooled to believe only in the, in the, what we can see, what we can smell, what we can hear, what we can taste what we can feel. And when we're doing that, we have left so much of where 
the anchoring of like Joshua has. I mean, think about the, the beginning of this in Joshua 1. The Lord is speaking to him. So now, and I've had these conversations. I mean, people will ask me, and I've had pastors ask me, do you really hear Jesus? Do you really hear the Lord? And it's like, yes. You, do you really talk to them? Yes. And it's stunning to me because these are people of the pulpit that don't have that. And I'm asking myself, why? And yet, scripturally, right in the Old Testament, it's there. This isn't some metaphor like Joshua was talking to himself and writing down something and said, well, I was talking to myself, so I'm going to replace talking to myself with talking to the Lord. And yet we look at this like it's like, wow, like this is amazing. God's talking to Joshua. But God is available to everybody. He's not being exclusive. The question is, are we building that relationship into him to open that door? And all the evidence there is there before us that for those that question, doubt, or don't have that relationship with the Lord, that it is very much alive and well. So I think we tend to also go and say, well, that's Old Testament. That's not the way it is today. And that's reinforced by comments by the church that say things like, we're in a post-Christian society, which is nonsense. And I don't know that the churches are still saying that. I know that there was a period that it was pretty well recognized that we have arrived at a post-Christian society. And I often, I just, or a post-Christian world, and I really looked at that and I went, okay, so who left who? And I've always said this. It's like, who left who? Who abandoned who on that statement? Because the last time I checked, God was still here. And it's funny because from the New Agers to the, uh, the occult, they never see their God leaving, and somehow we accepted that our gods didn't have a place here anymore. Essentially, what we've done is we separated from the supernatural, and we've stopped accepting the supernatural when the others were embracing the supernatural. So if we've left the supernatural and we've left it behind, I guess the question would be, what would be the attraction of following Jesus when you're being promised other things in the occult or with new agers, or you're going to get into some of this new Palladian galactic empire stuff, out of body experiences, astro travel, whatever you're doing. And you're hearing about these experiences that in themselves come across as supernatural. Why would you be excited about the adventure with Jesus if we're not going to embrace it? Joshua did, and he did in a mighty way. Because when he stepped in, and this goes into Joshua 1.10, and it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are going to cross the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. Now, if I walk through a rank of people today and I said those words, rather than saying, Jordan, I might say, prepare yourselves for within three days we are going to cross over from the west to the east and we are going to repossess this land which the Lord gave us. I think a lot of people would come off when saying things like, okay, are you saying that? Like, where, where's, who's, 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 who's going to take command? What, what's your plan? Instead of realizing that as Joshua did, they recognized that absolutely they recognized that Joshua was, was talking to the Lord. And when he spoke, they trusted in that command. And then they began to prepare. You, they aren't 
it isn't to say that they weren't doing battle training or anything else, but when they're preparing for to leave with three days of provisions, they've taken that seriously as a command given by God. I dare say, and I truly mean this today, that that even among a lot of good believers, I don't think that they would take that very seriously. Because there'd be a lot of debate. Okay, wait a minute. I didn't have that. I didn't have that prophecy. Uh, where who who is who is really talking to who here? You'd have this stuff. I don't. When, when did you hear that God say that? Is God just speaking to you? Are you now a prophet? I mean, these are the sorts of things that would happen. And they would. There would be a lot of questioning in this of whether or not. God was really speaking. And the minute that we doubt and question, we're not going to hear him anyway. The fundamental issue behind a forgiving heart is to be able to have a heart that's able to hear the Lord more clearly and be able to tie in with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and connect with Jesus in a more deep way. Obviously, there's the fundamental issue in in, in Scripture that says very clearly if we are, we must forgive to be forgiven. I mean, that's not a debatable, and we've talked a lot about that. But part of that is to create a heart that is pure and open to resonate with the message of the Lord, not cluttered with anger, not cluttered with anything other than we've forgiven and we're, we're moving forward because the Lord's going to guide the justice. And this is what's really profound in this, right at the very beginning of this with Joshua in the book of Joshua, is that it's very present and prescient that they are aware that God is going to guide this and there's a deep trusting in his word as, he, as the word is given to prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days, we are going to cross this Jordan. That is amazing. And there's no, you're not hearing the rattling of like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't agree. Can we have a, can we have a council meeting on this? Can we vote? And much of that originates from the fact that Joshua and his commanders were deeply listening to the Lord, and they were listening to what he was saying. And there was a trusted baseline of speech and communication that accepted that the Lord was speaking and speaking boldly to some, maybe more boldly to some than others. And that was part of that. That's accepting the supernatural, whether you like that or not. And because the supernatural now has been so marred and so abused and, and people have been shunned away from it, it's literally the age of reason, which goes back several hundred years where we're told that unless you can use your five senses, it doesn't exist. The supernatural is now this ethereal thing. And when, we, when people take it and say you have somebody who is a prophetic, people go, oh, no, they're not a prophetic, not in this day. God doesn't, that they need to prove that they're a prophetic. And I agree. Trust me, I am agreeing that there needs to be some justification if someone's just going to step up and say a prophetic. But there's the other problem is we have so many charlatans that have stepped into the space that it has made it difficult to discern. And And that has added complication. But I dare say that in this period of time, I think the idea of being a charlatan would expose itself very quickly because the true relationship of the Lord was very prevalent and present with many. So it wouldn't take long for them to be exposed. But the fact that we are unaccustomed to the relationship in that level with the Lord, charlatans can easily step in and and take 
center stage and lead people astray pretty easily these days. We've got a whole ton of Pied Pipers. Much of that is going to rest on us, though, to fix the problem. And that's for each of us to be seeking and praying on and asking for the relationship with the Holy Spirit and with Father God in such a way that it is intimate. When I, I mean, I'm very clear when I tell you, when I have conversations with Jesus or conversations with Father, they're real. They're as real as anything in my life. I know for some people, I think if I'm in Canada right now, on top of getting psychotic drugs issued to me because I'm an anti-vaxxer, they would probably put me in a dungeon because I spoke such words as having a loving relationship of uh, discussing it with God. But I don't know. That's Canada. Here, we're heading there pretty quick. I'm in Oregon, so I'm pretty close. If I go to Portland, they're going to put me in a rubber cell. Guarantee it, because that's just how they think. But it is... All that aside, I mean, we have to start putting some belief in this because if we're going to doubt all the time, we're going to set up a barrier to that relationship. And this is limiting a lot of the gifts. Now, I've read these scriptures so much and what I'm going to read now, and, and they're important to read again in this context, the, the scriptures that are always reminding us to me of some of the most powerful, and they are some of the most powerful reminders of who we are. Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions and authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. These are profound scriptures. This is red letter language. And if we're truly going to believe what Jesus said to us, then we have to have a forgiving heart and we have to have a center point of love and we have to have trust in justice through Father. But that's two levels of justice. And that's the justice that he will guide our hand to deliver and it is the justice that everyone must face when they confront him. So for the sake of talking, let's bring in Trump and the Vax for a moment because I did talk about this and it's on Friday, in fact. And I, I think it's worth looking at this from a little different optic. I think many of I'm including myself in this. We, many of us were very disappointed, frustrated, and even angry that Trump would push a vax. And, and the anger is understandable. All of that's understandable. But at the end of the day, if we're going to be, have a forgiving heart, we have to let those emotions go and pass them on to Father. Because either way, no matter what Trump does, he is accountable in the end to Father God. That's not an option. That's not something that is going to be like, can I avoid that? To Instead, can I spend a little extra money and get the deluxe package that allows me to go around and get the VIP pass? No. None of that's going to happen because everyone's going to face that moment before Father God in judgment. The one thing that many of us are frustrated about in the sense of this is the catalyst and the the idea that he was pushing forward with this idea that people should take the vax. And so then we hear these comments like, and I've said them, so let me be clear, I'll take ownership here. I have said things like, how many people has he affected that's taken the vax? Well, that's part of his accountability. And I have to let that go because at this moment in time, I'm, it doesn't change the justice and the accountability he has, but I can't let that burden my heart. 
the deal is that every single person out here in this world that took the vax had a choice. We, with a few exceptions that have come up recently, and I'm going to say like medical personnel who put people under the anesthesia and then injected them. I'm not sure you had any jo- in choice in that. But nonetheless, for the most part, nobody was forced to comply with the vax. Parents that drug their kids in to be vaccinated, they are accountable to Father God. The child is not accountable other than the child needs to be prayed for and we need to pray for their healing because they, don't, they didn't have an advocate that did their job. That sin is great. The sin on a nation to encourage people to take the vax when it was wrong, that sin on this nation is great, and that's carried by a few people. But for each of us to let that go, this is important. Why I'm going back to Trump, because at the end of the day, each of us had a choice to make. And that's the first and greatest accountability that we have is how did you move? And so we will say, well, they didn't know better. Okay. But if we were walking in the time of Joshua, you would have known better because you wouldn't have sought something other than the direction of father God or Jesus. So essentially what we're, I think what many of us are reacting to is a conflict and a a frustration, both that there's a lot in here. And again, I want you to hear what I'm saying clearly because I have a sense when I say these things, people start going like, oh, you're forgiving everybody. No, I'm not forgiving. I'm not letting go of the accountability and the justice. What I am releasing is the burden on my heart because at the end of the day, I'm accountable for what I do and my actions and how I affect other people. That's the accountability and how I represent kingdom and how my walk is with Father God. So if, in that sense, I'm not going to let someone else burden my heart heavily. And these whole places right here, you have a people here that have lost Moses. And it's easy to stray. And God comes to Joshua and says, you're now going to lead them. And it would be easy for them to dissent. And yet, because there's a richness and a vibrance in the belief of the supernatural, and they trust in what God says, and they've already seen Joshua work in their life, they are willing to listen as the commanders replicate that call. They echo what Joshua says because they rep, they trust that what he's telling them is coming from Father God. We lack that in our world. So a lot of that ripple out is a, is a real confusion for many because Trump isn't speaking for God. Our pastors weren't speaking for God when they were telling you that Jesus would take the shot. Those are just lies. So what was happened in our culture is there's so much lies, people don't really know what to do and they don't know who to blame. Well, unfortunately, the, the responsibility, there's no the blame is going to fall on us because each of us at that point had a duty and a responsibility to look to God, to look to Jesus. And even if you were in a church where a pastor's telling you, like, well, Jesus would take the shot, well, come on. I mean, seriously? Did you take it to prayer? Did you listen to what God told you? I've heard people say, well, God told me to take the shot. And I'm like, all right, if that's what he told you, I don't know why, but okay, sounds good. Are you sure you heard that or did you hear the pastor? So that's where we have to get into this piece about anger. Where is our anger that we have with ourselves and with other things that are really not part of us letting go? And where's the righteous indignation? The action of supporting this, the need for accountability, 
the need for justice with relationship to the damage that this vax has done with everybody involved, that's righteous indignation, without a doubt. And that fire should never burn out. And it should drive to the end of your days until every person is held accountable. And I don't care who they are. Period. End of story. Justice is blind. But to separate that out, and it's very clear that Joshua has in his walk when God turns to him, God's trusting in him to hear his heart and hear his voice clearly in his heart. Those are amazing snapshots for us to look at and to replicate and to carry. I think that this period of time as Joshua steps into command, and we're going to talk a lot more about this in the coming weeks, I think it's a profound reflection on where we are today. I think it's, a, it's something to learn from. I think it's something to, to retake into prayer a lot and to really look at how are we going to transition. The, the speech this week from Trump, absolutely like I, I titled the show, Dead Cat Bounce. It was nothing exciting. The amount of time given to decoding it and looking for the military to solve things, and there's a lot of very interesting things going on in the world. I don't deny that, and we'll talk about those in the shows this week. The fact is that it doesn't change our fundamental thing we need to be doing. And it comes down to what God has told Joshua, that he needs to meditate on this night and day, and he needs to avoid from turning left or right. We have to stay true in all of this to our relationship through Christ to the Father, and we have to stay deep in the scriptures to keep us from from going right or left. That's part of meditating and living in that all the time. We should be reciting or referencing scripture, even, even if you don't quote the exact scripture, but scripture should become part of our regular language. We should be thinking as we're talking in terms of scripture and how that feeds in. That's one of the great things about the Founders Bible and about what our founding fathers did, is that scripture was part of the way and their whole thinking process. So as they were discussing things, you can find the references to Scripture without having to look at, okay, specifically Luke ten nineteen. And to finish out those two Scriptures that I always read, one, another one is John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I am going to the Father. And again, if we have a belief in the supernatural, we believe in what that says. I would argue that as we read through Joshua, being that those words weren't yet spoken, we are still seeing that level of confidence in what God can deliver and what will be delivered if there is a trust and belief in him. And we see that happen throughout that journey. But ultimately, we're coming down to one of the scriptures I've probably read most, and it's Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. The supernatural and the belief in the power of Father God takes us to that place of the ancient paths where the good way is, and where we find rest for our souls, because our souls are resonating truly with that relationship, deep relationship with God and with Jesus. But when we start to deny that place of the supernatural, we are literally saying, we will not walk in it. And that's there that we find the juncture, the separation, the narrow path and wide gate. And we're, we're literally pulling ourselves away from what God is offering us and giving us as the most mighty of gifts and blessings we can have. 
if we're going to steer our way back in this nation and we're going to reclaim dominance and dominion over evil, it has to begin with some very fundamental shifts. We have to start embracing the fact that we do have authority over and dominion over the power of the enemy. And that means that we have to have the confidence that we can have that relationship with God, a deep and personal one, and seek it along with Jesus. And if we're going to transform this society and deal with the crisis at hand, the many souls that are going to need healing, and we're stepping away from this false science and satanic walk that they've put us on of sacrificial medicine, which is modern-day medicine, then the only way forward is to turn our eyes towards what John 14, 12 is telling us and believe that we can do greater works than he. And it's said by him and believe that with a loving and forgiving heart. That means we have to listen to the Lord and we have to understand that as we start to reclaim and take the lands that are given to us, as Joshua was doing, there has to be such a deep and unquestionable respect and trust for Father and such a truth trust in Jesus that it isn't outside in us looking to him saying, oh, we're not worthy, we sin, we sin. Of course we do, we sin. We're here, that's part of it. It's, it's like when you signed up, you're like, okay, uh, you're gonna be, you're gonna walk on the earth and you're gonna sin. Got it? Check that box. I mean, that's, that's just the nature of it. But that's why we have repentance because as we repent and that becomes a cycle immediately, we're reset each time so that they, our hearts are purified, we can continue to walk, and that's how we grow deeper in that relationship with Christ and our Father. And in that process of that beautiful walk, if we're going to really reclaim and, and get this land back as was given to us originally, we're going to need Luke ten nineteen and John fourteen twelve flowing through us like the River Jordan. We need to have that. And we need to have that flowing through us in such a miraculous way that we are trusting as the Israelites trusted in Joshua. We have to trust in those scriptures as we move forward to believe that truly it is going to happen. It is part of us. It will be. It is directed by God. And to me, that's one of the greatest moments we have right now is a choice, which takes us again to Jeremiah 6.16. Which path will we walk? And if we're seeking the ancient paths, we're talking about a complete reset and revival of this nation in a magnitude that's far, probably far beyond even what our greatest imagination is. But if we're going to deny that and deny God's gifts to us and deny the supernatural, we're going to be at that other end. We will not walk in it. I'm not doing that. I'm walking in the other side with the supernatural, seeking it, running after it, going for it, opening my eyes and say, look, let's go. And even deeper than that in my prayers, saying to God, I'm not asking how, I'm telling you, I'm walking in it, guide me. And at that point, letting Father push us into the places that we find most, sometimes even uncomfortable, but learning as we go, as we communicate and have the dialogue with him to trust in him, to have us transform the beautiful hearts that we have and step beyond the anger, step beyond the stupid divisiveness that's in this world, and realize that we have something massive to cont contribute and an amazing amount of healing that we can facilitate. But that all centers on that principal issue. 
Which road do you seek? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have and this time we share and just truly blessed as you continue to guide us in this path. A fellowship that's quite humbling, in fact, that we've come together in these in this place where we continue to share and exchange and build true, deep relationships and love and respect for one another. We just pray in the beginning of this, Father, let us not close the walls to the outside, but instead to open up our doors to invite the many in and meet them where they are and to do so with the heart of Jesus, to do so with a profound walk in the trust in you that what we're doing as we step into the world is not dividing but uniting. What we're doing is bringing people home and sowing seeds at a profound level. We pray that people will let go of the, of the restrictions that have been pounded into our heads to believe that the supernatural isn't, isn't there or to deny it, rather to embrace the supernatural, the Holy Spirit within our life, to let the miracles be, be presented and to let us be the vehicle by which it can happen, to embrace what is possible and beyond as Christ told us that we can do greater works than he. Not to deny it, not to try to rationalize ourselves out of it, but to listen to the words and as they resonate in our hearts to reach to you, to reach through the Holy Spirit and to literally say, Jesus, here I am. Send me, I will walk this path wherever it leads me. And with that level of confidence and that level of heart forgiveness, a level of love in our life to watch amazing levels of power happen before us in ways that we can't, could not have imagined. To literally, as we witness this, to see impossible justice be delivered, to see healing happen where we never thought possible, to see the, absolutely the freedom of people released from the binds of demons. All of these things that we know Christ did, he said that we can do ourselves. Let us, Father, embrace that. We pray for the many hearts that may have doubt or may have wrapped themselves in suspicion or questioning, but rather turn to you and say, okay, Father, I'm ready to learn and to open those doors like never before to walk truly and powerfully within the walk that you've offered us to be of kingdom in this world. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I think that this is one, one of the great moments we have, truly, in our time, in human time. And I think this is what will ultimately be the tipping point. We can read about all the Q stuff and all the secret military ops and all the political maneuverings. And yeah, I got all that. And I can do a pretty good job of talking it. We can talk about the economic things going on. We can talk about the implications of the vax. But... Let me just kind of wrap with this. It's probably one of the most, one of the darkest shadows that we walk under right now is the vaccine. Its impact, the death, and the destruction that it's waging on humanity is real. And I talk about it as much as anybody. But I don't talk enough about, and I'm going to encourage us all to start talking more about is where the power of the Holy Spirit can come in to heal and how we are such a critical part of that. I, the more that I look at this and the more I've reflected on this this last week, I begin to question whether 
We are creating the problem rather than solving the problem. So let me explain that real quick as we close. Are we creating the barrier which we're convincing ourselves we can't cross? Are we creating the River Jordan and in such a magnitude and telling ourselves that God will not split those waters? Because now we don't have the Moses, well, metaphorically speaking, to lead us. We're here ourselves and having to look at that past. And are we continuing to build this level of water up to such a level that we're telling ourselves it can't be crossed? When in fact, what we have to be doing and should be doing is praying on allowing the miracles to allow the supernatural to flow through us, to let the healing begin, to base ourselves on John 14, 12, to truly do greater works than he, because Christ said he, we can I'm leaving that for you to pray on. I'm leaving that for you to ponder because it's deep in my prayers these days. And it's asking a fundamental question because if we are going to continue to walk the path that denies the ancient, then aren't we saying we will not walk in it? And if we're denying what Christ gave us and saying that we can do greater works than he, but we keep saying these people are going to die, there's nothing to correct this damage, they can't be saved. Aren't we denying the power of the Holy Spirit? I know this in hearing from people that truly do miraculous healing. The comment that was made that was most humbling to me was a person that laid on hands. They they did this two to 3,000 times before they ever even saw a result. Yet they don't. We don't know what results they had. What we do know is that praying for people and laying hands on people and praying for them is scriptural. That's nothing, and we're called to do that, in fact. So why don't we begin? And why don't we trust? And why don't we just say, you know what? Enough of the narrative, enough of the death stuff, enough of you're going to die. How about if we start saying this? We're going to set you free. We're going to bring great life to your soul. We're going to do it together and we're going to do it with Jesus and let's pray. And when we take that attitude, there's no downside, none. Doesn't mean the person won't die. Doesn't mean the person won't suffer some pain. But what we do know is that they're going to walk with Jesus and in the end, they win anyway. So I'm just putting this out here as a, as a, prayer challenge and as a challenge for each of us to reflect on very deeply because quite frankly after these last few weeks of really digging in deep as father led me to do to dig in deep to the heart of forgiveness and the heart of justice and the heart of love I'm left pondering even the places that I walked and asking myself as we fought one battle which was to keep people from taking the vax and as we continue to fight another to elevate up more awareness Isn't it time that we take yet another pivot and change our strategy to attack this from a different angle rather than doing the same old thing over and over and expecting a different result? Why don't we attack this from the Holy Spirit and say, you will be healed. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. And we're going to overcome whatever you're facing. And even if we don't see the result there, Why don't we trust in Father God that what we're doing is as he would want us to and whatever outcome there is, is as it would be in accordance to him. That to me is the ancient path. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. 
never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We're at war. So we need to walk boldly and fearlessly as Christ would want us to walk. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
Out of my mind.